Welcome to Babble of a Bruise, deep thoughts fermented over time and text. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crew Juice for Verka, and I've got Gumby. Hey, what's up? George. Yo. Mike. Howdy. And William. Howdy. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Franklin Castle and Ohio history. But before we do that, we're going to sip some ghost ride. Technically, this I is... I didn't even catch that juice when you said what the beer was. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a Kolsch beer because it was not brewed in the city of Coin, Cologne, Germany. It is fermented with a unique ale yeast that ferments out at cooler temperatures, many than other yeasts. So it doesn't produce as many free esters as many styles, but has complexities almost reminiscent of some white wines. The style is light-bodied, crisp, and refreshing, in part due to its extended cold aging slash maturation process. It is a ABV of 4.7. On the bitterness scale, 25. What's a Kolsch again? It's more like closely like to a lager, right? Yeah, it's closer to a lager, yeah. Right. I drink them, I just don't know what they are. I was gonna say that's one of the best descriptions I've heard since we've been doing it. Like very, I don't know. It sounds super unique. So yeah. I'm excited to try. It. Let's find out. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. All right. As it's pouring, woo! This can is awesome. Clear. Love the can. The artwork on these is amazing. This is by Revolution Brewing, and uh, yeah, their cans are always phenomenal. Anything has to be better than the last beer I brought. What was the last beer? <laughs> I don't know, but he described it as wet dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I won't. That is. I mean, it's good. I would. I would yeah. say my first sip. I'd say it's fine. So it's. Uh, is it getting you anywhere, Mike? It's super light. Like you yeah. could. I can. I'm looking at Mike right through it. <laughs> it's super light. It's as light as a as a pilsner, really. Yeah, um, it's a real quenchy beer. I I mm. like that it doesn't have the the fruit overtones and hints. Mm. I'll oh. tell you. What, what, what are you getting on the top? Not there. No? It's, it's, it's light. It's real light on the, a real, on the aroma. It's He's riding a bike, so it'll probably make for a good summer beer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like a Bud Light. It's more full-bodied than a Bud Light. Fair. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think the description's right. It's It's almost... Like a white wine, right? It's it's it's, it's real light. It's super yeah. light, really. Yeah, yeah. So, we go good with fish. <laughs> yeah. Go good with a lot. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say I love this beer, but um, I would definitely drink several of these. I don't. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think if we were yeah. like all outside and it was like hot out and we were just sitting outside your garage crushing a six pack or something like that. Yeah, good, exactly. But, yeah. I could drink this during yard work. Plus, right? of course, they wanted yeah. to uh, sponsor the show. In that case, man, mm. oh. <laughs> it's the world's yeah, best. Four point seven percent. You probably could drink a lot of these. Like, yeah, still be fine. It's a good beer to have after you drink really good beer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great well, description. <laughs> I tell you what I think, but you know, what it tastes like it tastes like beer and toothpaste because I just brushed my teeth after eating oh. dinner <laughs> over here. I thought I drank enough water to get rid of the toothpaste and mouthwash yeah. flavor, and I did. Yeah, I like to. Uh, Brush my teeth and then drink orange juice. Oh, oh yeah, yeah I love that. Oh my god, that, I, I look forward to that every morning. It's like nothing says <laughs> loving like, like oh, toothpaste and mouthwash and tooth and orange juice in your mouth. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Outside of that, it, I'm again, it's it's not a bad beer. I'm enjoying it. It's a good beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just not going to say it's phenomenal. Okay, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah. fine. it's a fine. It's a it's fine. fine beer. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. I'm right. fine. There you go. That's it. Yep. It does have a sweet, like if you don't drink it for 30 seconds, you do have a sweet aftertaste. Yeah. I think it's up. To, it's above like yingling. Okay. That's fair. So just fair. out of the yeah. uh, domestic. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fair. It's, it's oh, fine. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's fine. This is my like style. I, I like I like real like neutral things, so I'm I'm down with it. It's fair. We know what. Right. It's fine means. When, what? When, when females say that to the guys, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's not anti-hero. Mm, there you it's, go. It's not anti-hero. I like it's it. Good, but it's not anti-hero. So, Mike, I haven't seen you in a while. Can we all just recognize how hot Mike looks with his beard and his thermal right now? Like, he's, got a, he's got a trendy watch. He's got a trendy watch, right? Nice black band. 
right? Nice little thermal. He's been working out. Nice beard. Yeah, he's got that Mark, you guys, Mark, 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 Mark Wahlberg look right now. He does. <laughs> he does. My favorite moment of the podcast so far. It's like the first time we've ever gotten along. I love no, you. we did once other uh, second he's time. He's setting you up, Mike. Yes, yeah. yes, but I can't. <laughs> Building you up so I can tear you down. <laughs> so. so, William, hey, welcome to the hey, podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Oh, it's our pleasure. Wow. So, Juice, mm-hmm. does Bill have anything interesting going on that <clears throat> we should tell the uh, listeners about? This man always has something interesting mm. going on. If you watch his feeds... My lord, he's always doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them are a little bit more exciting than others. Like, like uh, last night. Yeah, you probably saw that one. I, I don't. I'm not one of these people that takes pictures of food. Okay, I never do this. <laughs> it was a good I, picture. I did do this Shit. because this is something that it just needed to be shared with the rest of the world. So I have a friend, uh, Sean Kolteska. He's got a stand down at the West Side Market. Uh, has it used to be the old Seba- uh, Sebastian's Meats. Now it's it says Sean's Meats on the thing, but it's Kolteska Meats. And he just took over the old, uh, what had been Kaufman's Poultry uh, about two yeah, weeks ago. I, I'm actually, I'm pretty sure I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah you, 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 would, you would know the guy. So he's got veal, beef, pork, and then he's got a smoking section, as we call it. And downstairs, he's got the spice lab. I call it the meth lab. And it's where all the magic happens down there with mixing this season and that season. So I threw an idea at him with earlier this uh, summer. And he's like, oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen. So I didn't wait for that to happen. I just kind of took it home and made it happen myself. Um, I told a friend of mine later the summer about it. When I told him what it was, the guy, he's a chef. He looked at me, he's like, yeah, nations are going to go to war over that one. Um, so what it was, was, uh, he takes, uh, these, uh, the slab of double smoked bacon. Okay. The whole slab and cut off a section. I'd say about uh, an inch and a half to two inches thick okay and then you make it about five or six inches long and you take it and you butterfly it okay and you open it up now you take stuffing pork stuffing you take some some bacon that you've already cut into small pieces and sounds good done it in a skillet and you add that to the pork stuffing and then you stuff it inside of this piece of slab bacon and then you wrap a few slices of bacon around the outside of that and you pin it in and you bake it for uh at 375 for about 40 minutes in a baking dish covered in foil and and you fill it pull it out put it in and you finish it in a skillet and you serve it up with a side of your choice of i did a couple of fried eggs last night you could do baked beans or something like that (laughs) what it is and somebody said well you know you got to add more bacon to it and i said ah an aioli (laughs) would be great because then it'd be covered bacon covered so what it really is right now is bacon wrapped bacon smoked or bacon wrapped bacon wait 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 another thing about it's yeah bacon wrapped bacon stuffed bacon there we go. Is what it is. Now, if we did the bacon aioli, it would be bacon wrapped, bacon covered, bacon stuffed, bacon. But as it is, it's just like bacon, bacon wrapped, bacon stuffed, bacon. <laughs> so, well, so again, said I'm sure after you bit into it, there was a time warp of you going back in time, right? Yeah, there, there was there was this moment where I sat there. I'm like, hey, back at the Westside Market when I was five years old, and this tear welled up in my eye, and I was like, oh, this just reminds me of the best smells on earth, and. Uh, and I had some friends over last night and they're like, what does that smell? It smells amazing. So I'm like, it smells like bacon. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, and I told them what there was and they're like, Asians are going to go to war over that. And I said, yeah, I know. I heard that. Yeah. So this is a, so this is now a thing. So he's going to probably start carrying that pre-made and ready to go and just. You can buy them over there and take them home. So that was, I don't take pictures of food, but I had to take a picture of that and post it on like Facebook. Because I'm like, I'm like often, your, your, your eyes are not deceiving you. Yes, this really happened. This is what this is. And then I got a lot of help from my uh, brother's fiance. Who's, he's like, do I have to give you Cheerios every morning too for your heart? Uh, and that's like, all right. My dad's like, yeah, you know what, boys, you know what the zipper club looks like. I've been a member for many years. So and I'm like, dad, I eat healthy. I eat fruits and vegetables too. So, but yeah, I to show that but yeah there's always things happening oh, yeah, though yes yeah. so that was just like the most recent uh crazy thing that just sort of happened though i love it <laughs> so, so do you have constant. a kosher version of that oh uh, yeah <laughs> it's um uh not bacon not bacon wrap not bacon smoked not bacon covered bacon. bacon it's it's tofurkey yeah. bacon <laughs> i'm not asking for myself it's for gumby this is this would be yeah this would be uh satan wrapped satan covered satan Stuff Satan. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a way we can make that happen. 
so I this I have this question for mm-hmm. you. You take me off as being like super like I don't know if this is a word, but I'm gonna say Clevelandy. Yeah, you're super Clevelandy. Yeah, like I, I just like I look at you. I'm like that guy's from in Cleveland. Definitely like, he knows Cleveland. the stories. He knows like mm-hmm. all the like all the streets. He knows all the uh those dive bars and hidden mm-hmm. secrets and everything like that. How long have you been living in Ohio City for a long time? Uh only um only on Ohio City for the uh this is my fifth winter where I'm li- where I'm living right now. Uh I was born uh I was born in Cleveland over at Deaconess Hospital up the road here. Um me too. You too. Yeah, it was it was it was a great hospital. Um, it it was really great, and and unfortunately, in 1990, when I got bit by my cat and I went there in the emergency room, I waited an hour, and they didn't even ask me what was wrong, and so we went to Metro, and I was admitted, admitted within five minutes for blood poisoning because I almost died. Oh, wow. oh, so wow. the hospital was shut down shortly after. But yeah, I was born over at yeah Deaconess up the road. I lived on 73rd and Clark until I was about a year and a half old. Then we moved to Avon Lake. So I, uh, but my grandparents lived in Cleveland. My dad's parents lived in Cleveland. My grandparents, my mom's parents lived over here in Parma uh, on uh, Keystone. So um, yeah, I've always been spending time in Cleveland. And then uh, 2006, I moved to Cleveland and then over to Lakewood. And then about five years ago, I moved into Ohio City. But yeah, I was always spending as much time in Cleveland. We, dad, mom, me, my brother, sister, they'd always take us into town, watch the, uh, see the Christmas lights on public square, drive around and I mean, see it's all the place to be. I it mean, is. What do you think about like the last, I don't I mean, the last like six, seven years, man. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what it was. I don't, maybe it was the uh, casino, maybe. I don't know, but something in the last, cause I, I lived downtown my first time, probably like 10, 11 years ago. And I remember like, it was like a ghost town. Like yeah. at like four or five o'clock, there'd be no traffic because no one worked there. And like, you could just run around, like you didn't have to wait for traffic or anything. And now, you know, there's like, you go there, it's like a rush hour. There's people directing traffic. It's nuts. But, uh, that's, uh, that's a, you know, a lot of it had to do with, uh, 1995, the, uh, the rock and roll hall of fame, I think was, it was a big kickstart. And then, uh, in the early to the, getting the, the, the Browns back was in the new stadium and the gateway complex in the mid 1990s was a great thing. See, uh, I, I graduated from high school in 1994 and I went to college in Pittsburgh for three years immediately afterwards. That's not very, you I deduct you two, maybe you know, three Cleveland you know, points for that. Yeah, well, no, here's the great thing, because I got to see a little bit as, as a still teenager and uh, approaching my early 20s, I got to see uh, not just Pittsburgh, of course, but I went to like Frederick, Maryland, and I got to I travel around a little bit uh, during this time, and I got to see what other cities were doing. And Pittsburgh, in the early 1990s, uh, late 80s, they had gone through a renaissance. Cleveland was on the verge of going through a renaissance, and it took a little bit of time, but it took the gateway uh, project for so it to happen. maybe you were like a mole. I got like to kind you, of see it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was sneaking, know you were. Yeah, I'm like, hey, guess what? Hey, Cleveland, so what so Pittsburgh cool is beating here. our butts here as far <laughs> as... Uh, so, yeah, I, so no, I got to see this, though. This was great. And then when it started happening to Cleveland, we started having a renaissance uh, uh, with the downtown. Now, unfortunately, this did come at a uh, cost of... Some really cool neighborhoods uh, did get kind of uh, jacked and um, quote unquote gentrified, whatever you want to call that. And I don't like that, like with a couple of the neighborhoods. They could have done it a little bit better. Uh, but then ah, the worst one is I look at what happened to the East Bank of the Flats. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to knock the East Bank of the Flats or the West Bank. Um, it's they, a different they, field, yeah, that's, it's like yeah, everything's it is. in Applebee's down but I, Yeah, that's the part that bothered yeah. me is it really, I really love the old. Like they have a nice cafe, have a nice day cafe, Fagan's flagship of the flats. Oh, I've great hard places. In the flats. Oh yeah, you uh, do. Oh, Trilogy, yeah, you <laughs> and I think that, I think Trilogy is still there, just not open anymore, obviously, or whatever. It became Retropolis or Banana yeah, Joe's. Yeah, yeah, I don't that know. Was it's a great place. But we still do have some great places. Um, I I don't really go over to the East Bank of the Flats like I uh, used to. Like I, I hang over the West bank and you know there are some places i'll still go to like yeah the harbor and harbor in ohio right yeah not not the oldest bar not that the the 1895 thing's a legend okay that's a myth that's not really true i was just there 1930 they told me that are they lying yeah no no the the, the last owner i think he made up the number it's interesting because 1895 is the same year i think that appears on this sign outside of cheers on the uh. on the thing, so they're like, "Oh no, no, it's really 1888." <laughs> we just kind of made up the 1895 thing when Carla awesome. was into her like whole uh, numerology uh, thing. Uh, no, they, 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 I, it was it was 1935. Um, <laughs> I feel hustled now. I was like, "Wow, no, this is really no." In fact, cool. the, the building itself didn't didn't exist until about 1912, and it was an office for uh, a foundry that was 
was down there. Uh, but uh, they're like, oh, no, no, there used to be another place called the Harbor and that was up the road mm. and the guy bought it and he just transferred the name when they started building the bridge. It's like, no, I found the article from 1935 or 1936. And the guy's wow. like, I just wanted something that made people remember that they're close to the water. So I came up with Harbor and he was a he was a foreigner. And he's like, he's like, and it was uh, they've just lifted a prohibition in United States. So I bought this building and I say, OK, fine. I, turn, I call it Harbor. And, and it sounds <laughs> like and I'm reading this article and i'm laughing because at the time it was wally bazorn had still owned the place and it's who he had bought it off of and i think wally is the one that really kind of propagated the whole oh no they tore down a place called the and it's the oldest bar well no the, the place that is really tech i guess technically the oldest family-owned bar in cleveland 1919 is hoats cafe okay over in tremont and i was down there earlier which, which, which one is it? hoats and it's over on hoats uh, yeah, in hoats, tremont? yeah hoats and tremont 1919 well, i need to go to yeah i've never been oh, i never even oh, heard of it yeah. Now, Miss, I knew no, you'd yeah. be good for this. Mr. Mr. Hoax <laughs> right bought there. the place in uh, June of 1919, and it says uh, 30 days from the title transfer that they're to take it over. So it's like July 22nd of 1919. They took over the building, and it had been a bar since about 1887, mm. consistently. Now, during Prohibition, it was used as a barber shop right but it was really a speakeasy they did they did maintain nice. the bar uh, they just cool. had I, I heard stories that they had uh all the alcohol in a crate and that when the guys were coming up the road and they would step at the bars up the street someone would run ahead and let them know and they would or call ahead and they would go and they'd give it this kid that lived next door and the kid would throw it in the in a box in the garden next door <laughs> and they'd throw it in the box and they close the lid and they pull dirt over top of it and bury it and keep it hidden ah. until these guys stopped and made sure that they were just really cutting nice hair right. in yeah, the bar. Right. Um, so that, the, the Hoats is really the, uh, uh, one of the oldest bars in Cleveland, but right up the road is Carney's right over there on the West bank of the flats is one of my favorite places to go down, down over there on the West bank of the flats is Carney's also, but yeah, we're, we're Cleveland. We have a, a number of wonderful establishments. I don't, I only named three of them. I, mean, there. I could go on and on too. Yeah. yeah there's some no, great places, yeah. but I'm nervous for Ohio city. Now that you say it, like there's a lot of apartment buildings, man. A lot of young people are going to come and it's going to change yeah. everything. Um, uh, I mean, there's so well, much new living space. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, and you know what? I, I don't know if they would be changing things for the better or for the worse. They'll be changing. Look what might be happening though. We're, they're talking about possibly starting the first Working hyperlink in the United States going from Cleveland to Chicago. That was the original plan. You could be in our governor shut it down because of big money. No, 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 not yet. No, no, it's still a possibility, but you, you could work in Chicago and live in Cleveland and Cleveland would now all of a sudden become a a suburb of Chicago because the Hmm. commute time is about 42 minutes. Wow. And I keep thinking I scratch my head up. Well, plus whatever time it takes for you to drive to the hyperlink and then Uber from the hyperlink to wherever you're working. So maybe an hour, but it's like, yeah, wherever that's going to start and stop, I keep scratching my head and saying, I think we're on the cusp of good times ahead of us. I'd like to see something like that because not only, because it's a two way street, not only is it taking people where living in Cleveland and working in Chicago, it's taking people from Chicago out to cleveland yeah so we'll get it yeah and what are we known for here in cleveland besides the rock and roll hall of fame and a river that catches on fire beautiful lakefront they got that in chicago but what else are we known for beer beer breweries we've got we've got a bunch right there in the ohio city neighborhood here's to the breweries of cleveland (laughs) gentlemen we have some great ones Mm mm-hmm you hear that, DeWine? Keep things open so we can get a hyperlink. We're gonna, yeah. This this podcast is going to be a speakeasy podcast. <laughs> week. I was going to say, remember that it tip. Because if COVID <laughs> restrictions get worse, we might have to use it, man. I, I propose that we, as a podcast next summer, go over to Putin Bay. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, come over. I'll be belligerently yeah. drunk. There's zero chance... <laughs> So of me you, doing anything else. So you're saying it would be a fun podcast. <laughs> or the worst podcast ever. You know, that, would, that would be, I, I, I just be. encourage everyone to say, you know, come over earlier in the day and do the touristy stuff that doesn't involve drinking right off the bat. Stop and have a couple drinks, of course, but go see, go see the caves, go see the lighthouse, come see the monument, go to the top, don't put anything on the ledge, don't throw any rocks over the side, stop <laughs> spitting over the side. That's a long story. For another time. <laughs> uh, that's my job up there is, is mostly entails things like hey don't put your kid on the ledge it's yeah it's stuff like that but um 
Yes, drive around, go or get a bike or go kayaking or paddle boarding, uh, rent some jet skis from Bob and Andrea, go, go do something fun, you know, just go enjoy yourself. Maybe go to Middle Bass and you know, go check out JF Allies or something, uh, but enjoy yourself. But then in the evening, maybe start hitting some of the bars, go hear some music, live entertainment. Yeah. That's one of the best things about that island. You're going to hear some guys up there. You're going to hear everyone all clustered together that you would have to wait. Like, oh, I heard Westside Steve's playing this weekend, and next weekend Bob Gatewood's playing, and then the weekend after that, there's Pat Shepard playing. You know, you got to wait like a week to hear these guys. No, put in bay, you can hear everybody within 10 minutes of each other. Was it hurting this year, though? It was. Uh, We we did have a few places that uh, scaled back on music, um, which was unfortunate but understandable. because of a limited uh, seating capacity and it wasn't worth it for a lot of the places to uh, bring up the musicians because normally they would be at full capacity and that would justify paying the musicians. Sorry, I keep hitting the court. I don't know if that's affecting the thing. Um, So I I know that uh, uh, Westside Steve didn't do his big uh, end of the season show. He did play at the end of the season, but he didn't do his big party that he does every year. Uh, Pat Shepard, I think, only played uh, one or two shows over at the Frosty Bar this year. Uh, If you've not heard him, he does does, uh, uh, Pat Daly to a T. Uh, who's the guy that created the put and bass sound or really made it what it is. And then um, Mike Mad Dog Adams didn't come up and play anything this year. Uh, so he's got he's got some uh, health issues. So this was a concern for him. So I don't think he played anywhere, uh, which was um, unfortunate because last year he celebrated 40 years playing at put and bay Oh, that's awesome. And this year he didn't play at all. So he's the one that uh, he's the he's the king of the roundhouse. Call him. Uh, and he, uh, he's the guy that, uh, raise your drinks, raise them high, ziggy, 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 hoy, hoy, hoy. He's the guy that does that at his show. Yes. So he's the one that gets us all ziggy, zagging at least once a year. Um, uh, so it's like, it's an island tradition to go see him. So we, we did hang on to our, uh, our traditional traditions, like, uh, lighting the whiskey light at the, at the roundhouse and then turning it off at the end of the season. Uh, so a lot of things are course though scaled back they didn't do the uh road races reunion unfortunately that didn't happen uh we didn't do um we didn't do a lot of the stuff for the perry um uh, historic weekend so there were a lot of things peeled back there too uh but otherwise i think we all had a good year though up at putin bay but definitely come up and they have their own brewery so you can go through the entire list uh of everything that they make there you can uh uh, drink the old cotton top Irish red. You can drink a West Shore IPA and that sounds give like a your challenge. opinions on it. They also do their own alcohol. They do their own hard stuff. They are also the island's only distillery. We do have a beverage center. It's not an actual, so you can get 40 proof over there. Okay. So if you want to get 80 proof anywhere, you got to go to the brewery slash distillery and they've got Island rum and Island vodka. Nice. And they're um, very good. We definitely have to go. Mm. <laughs> Please. So, I, so. I got a question for you, Bill. Fire away, Bill. It's Friday the 13th. It <sighs> is. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. I hear you stay at a pretty cool place. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'd love do. to know how that happened, why that happened, and okay. what cool stories you have. Oh, so many cool stories. Um, <laughs> and your philosophies behind them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so the way this happened was um, uh, back when... Uh, Okay, uh, back when I was about, we'll, we'll, we'll go way back. Okay, first the earth cooled, then the, the dinosaurs came. <laughs> they got too big and fat and turned into oil. And We already had a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Airplane, I love Don't that. Get us started. Oh, so. George didn't believe any of it. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was I, was I was about five years old. So um, we were taking the long way back to Avon Lake from my, my grandparents' house in Cleveland. And as we're heading north on uh, 41st to 44th, and we stopped at the intersection of 44th and Franklin, or outside this very cool looking stone house right across the intersection. And my dad looks over and says, Hey kids. And we're all me and my brother, Tom and my sister, Jennifer, we're all in the car. And uh, dad's like, Hey kids, look, that's a real haunted house. And my jaw just about hit the bottom of the floor and just said, what? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So we, I would always say, Hey, let's, let's take the long way home. What? I'm like, I want to see that house again. 
okay, fine. And I'm like, so after a number of years, I'm like, I'm going to live there one day. And my parents are like, yeah, let us know when you hit the lottery and, and share that up with us. So I, I became so interested in this house. Firstly, because my father had said, that's a real haunted house. My dad never said anything like that. That just blew my mind, you know, for him yeah, to even dad said something imply. cool. Once, right? yeah, yeah, I'm like, because he, yeah. he never said anything. He, he, he never talked about that. He, I mean, hell, he never even talked about Jesus or God or anything beyond the scope of what we can see in front of us. It was, don't touch uh, that. Don't do that. No, put that down. No, stop it. Like he caught me, he caught, caught me coloring on the wall one time with a crayon and he's like, what is this? What is this? And my answer was it's green. And uh, well, yeah, okay. It's green. It is. He, at least the kid knows his colors. Bad news is he's grounded for a week. So as time went on though, I really was interested in this house and around 1992, I was in high school at this point and, uh, uh, we had to do a project for one of my classes and I said, well, you know, I had a, it was a speech on some historic subjects. So I'm like, I want to do a speech on the history of the Franklin castle. So I started doing a little bit of research into it, took some pictures of the house, uh, found out who had built the house and went out to where they're buried and found out a little bit of information about them. And I gave this great, you know, speech in my speech writing class in 92 and i kept finding out more and more about it as i went on so to the point that every now and then a little bit more information would fall into my lap oh that's cool you know and add that to a file and oh there's a newspaper article that's great okay or it would be on pm magazine an old show that used to be on uh, channel eight and i was like that was before i that was when i was really young uh before i started doing the research but i remember all this stuff and there would be written about one or two books um and then in uh, 2000, uh, I had started a new job. I started sailing on the Great Lakes on a freighter as a merchant marine and I did that for the next five years. So in 2005, I uh, let my ticket lapse and I didn't want to sail again. I had a girlfriend prior to that who uh, cheated on me and as because I was never home. I can't say I blame her entirely. Um, but after that had happened, I realized there are certain things in my life that I want to happen that are not going to happen because I'm sailing like getting married or having a family or anything like that. And if I'm out, if I'm always gone, that's not going to happen. So I let my ticket lapse. And I said, that's it. I'm done sailing. And I moved back to, back to Avon Lake. So, um, my brother at the time, uh, was, uh, uh, dating somebody and, uh, her and a friend and my brother, they bought me a ticket for the haunted Cleveland tour. And we went to a number of places. And one of the places on this tour was the Franklin castle. And they had some great information on it, but they were off on a little bit of information. So I started talking to uh, Beth, who was the, uh, ho the the host of the tour, and eventually got to be friends with her and Chuck. Uh, they're the ones that own it. And uh, I, when I was talking about this, I said, well, this, this is right, and you're, you're dead on on that, but this one's not true, and this part also is not quite true. She's like, hey, would you be interested in writing uh, something for us, maybe correcting our notes? Said, yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great. So a few days later, I ended up over at the Western Reserve Historical Society, and I requested anything they might have on the castle, and they brought me one newspaper article in a file folder. <laughs> I'm like, really? This is all you have? And they're like, wow. yeah. They're like, they're like, what's your interest in? And I said, well, uh, just personal interest, but also the haunted Cleveland tour. I was talking to Beth, the uh, host, and um, I told her I'd write something on it, and I was hoping you guys had a little bit more than this because I actually have more than this at home. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, maybe when you're done, you'd be interested in writing something for us. And I said, oh, oh sure, okay, I'd love to. Um, so about two weeks, three weeks later, I'm down at the county archives on Franklin, right up the road from the castle. And, uh, while I'm there, I'm doing, at this point, I've been working on it for about a week up there and I'm making copies of this and that, and I'm finding little side stories. There's, uh, there are books that actually have articles in them about the, that were written currently with the time the house was built about the family that lived there or people that are related to them or whatnot. And while I'm doing this research, I'm like, well, I need to make a photocopy and I go to use a photocopier and I open it up and there's uh there are some, uh, legal documents in there and I pull them out and I turn to Glinda who ran the archives and I said Glinda uh, somebody left uh, some she's like oh that's Mr. Myers he's in the other room and I'm like she's like I'm like no it's all I'll take him over to him I didn't want to bother her she was talking to somebody and I'm Mr. Myers and he's like oh yes yeah, this older fellow and I'm like uh here you left these in the 
copier. He's like, oh, thank you. And as I'm handing them to him, I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. And I look at him, and it is the last will and testament of Hannes Tiedemann. Oh, the man who built the Franklin, Franklin Castle. Castle. Wow. And I looked at him and said, you're working on the Franklin Castle. And he was a little taken aback. And he's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, well, kind of, uh, yeah, kind of. And I'm like, I'm, it's okay. I'm working on the exact same thing right now. And we eventually opened up to each other and decided we would pool our resources, work with each other to help each other out with what he was doing it for his own personal interest. Okay. I was doing it now to write something for hopefully uh haunted cleveland tour and also hopefully western reserve historical society so we started getting together weekly going over things that we had found and sharing making doubles of everything so we each had a copy and then he threw out the idea he's like you know let's go a step beyond this let's write a book and it was his idea to write a book Chad's a great idea because I'd already written a couple of books, nothing published. And so we did. We pooled our resources and we started writing this book. Now we pitched it to pretty much every publisher out there and everybody rejected us. It was way too long. It was way too involved. Um, so and then the house sold to somebody else. But along the way, it was great because we tracked down the uh, descendants of Hannes and Louise Tiedemann who built the castle. We, I, I, I got to be friends with quite a few of them who are also very forthcoming with family letters and articles and photos Boom. of fountain of information, the photos that nobody had ever seen. Now the house wow. is supposedly haunted by a woman in black and a girl in white believed to be the wife and daughter of Hannes Tiedemann, Louise and Emma Tiedemann. Emma did not die in the house, but she died in the first house that stood there in 1881 she was only 15 she's regarded as the girl in white and her mother louise is a woman in black hmm. we had photos of them multiple now multiple photos that had never been seen by anybody no, so we had this great tome of involved literature everything that accounts of the family that grew up there people that lived there afterwards we interviewed tracked down people that lived there and where they're no longer living we tracked down their descendants they gave us so much it was incredible um but the book sort of got shelved and i went on to go write of course the, uh these mystery novels that i started off with and then buried beneath cleveland got picked up and then i was writing haunted, uh, haunted put in bay um well, while this was all going down, and uh, it since gotten married, since gotten divorced, was living at Putin Bay, working there during the summers, was living back in Cleveland in the winters. Um, in uh, 2015 or 16, uh, I got contacted by a friend of mine, Jim DeBelco, uh, who's a Cleveland historian, and uh, he's he wrote me and said, "Hey, I was recently contacted by the new owners of the Franklin Castle. They want to know if they can meet with you." him why and he explained they um they're doing work on the house and they hit a wall literally hit a wall while they were digging in the backyard to install a utility line they hit a stone wall in the backyard and they didn't know what it was so they reached out to jim DeBelco, who had written a great article for the cleveland historical app and website and uh, he was one of the ones that's like seriously wrote about the history of the house and talked about the uh, Wolverton's who built the first house there and really didn't go too much into the haunting of the Franklin castle as much as he did the history. So they reached out to him first and said, Hey, um, do you know what this might be? He says something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, no, but I have an idea who would. And it's the guy who gave me all the information that I used for the article. And it was me. And so he said, can I invite him over? And they said, yeah, that'd be great. So he reached out to me. They reached out to me. I took a day off work, came over and we looked at this uh, stone wall in the backyard and we um, uh, determined ultimately that it was the foundation of the first house that was on the uh, on the site. And it was built by the Wolvertons in 1860. And it was a house called a, a, a Bachelor's Hall is what they had called it in a letter. Um, whether or not that was the actual name of it, they said we were keeping Bachelor's Hall, which was a, which was a term used for a place that the boys would live by themselves. But their parent their, their father's house was called Wolverton Hall. So. I'd say that it was called. Uh, so that's what it was. So the uh, owners asked me if I'd be interested in uh, seeing the restoration so far. I'd love to. So they start walking me through. And I'm while we're going through and they're showing me, they're doing this fantastic work. Uh, 
I'm showing them where some walls were and they're like, yeah, we know that. And we know that I said, well, this room used to be this person's room. This was that this used to be here. There used to be a trap door here. This one between the floors, wow. this was here. This was over here and I've got photos of this and I've got some hardware from, and this wow. was given to me by a past owner and I've got these photos and that. So they were really, um, so by the end of it, I was felt like I was giving them a tour of their own house. Uh, they said, "Look, we're finishing up an apartment or part of the house. It's going to be a separate suite from the rest of the house on the on the uh, back uh, half of the third floor." Uh, they're like, "We don't know what you do during the uh, winter months, but we know you work at Putin Bay. But would you be interested in?" Perhaps living here, we could use somebody of your talent who knows who's a walking encyclopedia of this house. We get hit up with a lot of people. Uh, they ask us questions when we're working in the yard. We really don't have time. We're very busy, but we could really use somebody who can really share this with visitors, anybody that comes mm -hmm. over. And I, I and they're like, would you be interested in taking up residency? And again, just like when I was five years old, my jaw just about hit the floor. <laughs> I was better at containing myself this time. And I said, uh, yeah, sure. I would, I would, that would be an honor. I, and, and it really was. And they might as well have looked at me and said, Hey, uh, here's $10 million. Would you like $10 million? Cause it was the same effect on me yeah, yeah. was how this was a dream to actually be a, uh, be in this house, uh, and, and living here and being able to share on a regular basis, the story with a lot of people. So when they do have visitors or even when, uh, even when I'm blowing leaves in the front yard or, um, doing something or cleaning up or doing something, mowing the lawn, or even when I'm even going to my car and there are groups of people outside and they flag me down for a second and they ask me questions about it. Of course, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to answer them. That's, I love sharing this story and telling them what's true, what's not, believing a little bit of mystery, of course. So <laughs> don't give away all the secrets of the castle. Um, because there are some great secrets it holds. Uh, so it's a fantastic story that I get to share. So I've been there now for five. This is my fifth winter uh, living there, and it is a beautiful house. And I love the fact that I get to help out the owners uh, with uh, in any way that I can. Uh, they ask me if I could do this, or they say, hey, can you check on that? And it's just, it's just really, it's an honor to be a part of it and be involved in any way, shape, or form with it. When I told my parents that I was moving in, uh, they're like, yeah, sure. Okay. And so I did move in and then like I had them over for Thanksgiving dinner, uh, a couple months, about a month and a half uh -huh. later. And they're like, or about a month later. And they're like, yeah, you're, uh, you're really living here. And they just kind of, my dad just kind of started laughing. He's like, I can't believe I'm actually having Thanksgiving dinner yeah. in the Franklin castle. He's like, how's the Turkey woman in Black <laughs> <laughs> well, ask, ask her. She's the one that cooked it. So, right. yeah. so it was, uh, it, so it's, it's been a real adventure, uh, uh, being wow. there. And I just, I love the fact that I was, I was invited to, uh, be a part of their household and, uh, and, and to well, along the way, share this great story. So ultimately, uh, we did finish the book, John and I, and we did the final edits at the house. Uh, there is a glassed in room on the second floor and it is, um, it is original to the house. It's all trimmed out in wood with crystal glass. And this was Hannes Tiedemann's office. And so I put a big old desk in there that I think came from the old Sohio building. Uh, it was my, uh, uh, ex-sister-in-laws from years ago but yeah so I ended up with this desk and I, we moved it in there and we put it in there it's still in there today and that's where we finished all the edits word for word on the book about the Franklin Castle and about Hannes Tiedemann in his office in the Franklin Castle so it was very surreal finishing this book in that in that office so that was uh, that was a great feeling epic. yeah it just reminds me of like Supernatural when they're in the bunker you know, yes, doing all the research and writing. writing. Yes, men of letters. <laughs> so there's cool. a great, there's a, there's a great gore orphanage episode of that show. If you haven't seen it, yeah, you probably have. Watched the yeah, whole yeah. series. Yeah. I love, I love Supernatural. I think, as I was, as I understand it now, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the creators or the writers are from Ohio and they're from the area. Yes. So they, yes. Okay, they are. Okay, yeah. So that's how things, the whole things from Ohio end up in their uh, gore orphanage. You know, it's hilarious if you watch. I think it's. Is it the second to last episode of last season? As they're driving away from the house, if you pause that episode and look at the license plate, it's an Ohio license plate. Oh, the, you know, it's an Ohio <laughs> license plate on the car in every episode. That's, yeah. that's their... But I mean, uh, like, yeah. like, it fills the screen. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Like, like, as they're driving up, like, it's blatant. It's big. It's like Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there we go. <laughs> you want to... 
So, um, real quick, before we move on to this next part of this titillating story, here's a word from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to train Muay Thai? Perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. LivingMuayThai.com And we're back. And we're going to be starting with Russian Imperial Stout. Now, this one is actually called Dark Apparition. Oh, <laughs> juicer. <laughs> because <laughs> after we all, we are recording on Friday the 13th. It is. Scary. Friday the 13th. Super scary. So, seven malts were used to create deep flavor of coffee, chocolate, caramel, Seven's and a scary number, too. A hint of bitterness and herbal character from carefully selected European and American hops help support the monolithic maltiness. A truly decadent brew that is intended to be poured into your favorite snifter and given time to warm up from its dark and cool resting place. This is an ABV of 10.5. Yeah, only half will do. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing we drank some water. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you the did. The guy drank some water. <laughs> wow. Now this is definitely darker. Um, I wouldn't Certainly. say it's as dark as some of our previous ones, but I can't see Mike through it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, it's not super. Uh, it's not super heady. It has, a, it has a very minimal head on the top. Still some in there. I can't remember if it was a dark beer. Which was it? Like it was like my third or fourth episode when we were all hammered, blitzed. That's what the ones that Mike brought. <laughs> was it a dark beer? Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And he brought ones that were both exceeding ten percent. <laughs> Thank you, Noble Beast. <laughs> Is that it? All right. <laughs> um, but on the top, show's been banned from it, YouTube. <laughs> it does have a. Uh, I don't know, like a, like a darkish smell to it, almost, almost. I, I, I would say chocolate, chocolate, maybe a roasted chocolate smell. Yeah, I'm with you on the roasted chocolate. Yeah, you can, you can, you can feel it <laughs> in the roof of your mouth. I like it. I like it right out of the can. No, the flavor's great. That's definitely a stout. But I really like stouts. Yeah, that's definitely a stout, and it does have that that crisp stout flavor from the. Uh, the lactose, you can taste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what makes it like an imperial stout, right? So, did you Google that or did you actually pick that up? No, it's Just go with. Do you. you see this? <laughs> do you see it anywhere right there? There's a description. Do you see it anywhere? I don't, there? I'm not saying that you, it's there right now. I'm just saying, did you actually pick up on the lactose sharpness of it? Or yeah, that's that's a thing. <laughs> that is no, you could taste Your mom, can't thing. you? Can't you taste? Wait, that oh, you're not vegan yet. No. Okay. No, no. I had oh, to, that I would had, be breaking. I had to pretend to be one for the show. I got you. Got you. <laughs> oh. I mean, we did just <laughs> right, eat right. pizza. <laughs> That's true. That's that true. It is true. Wow. This is a very dark beer. It is. It has a. This is buttery. Yeah, flavor. Yeah. What are you thinking? You like buttery. It? Yes. Buttery. Mm. Yeah. It's got a buttery flavor. This is darker yeah. than the dead baby jokes that we are not allowed to tell at work. And it, it's almost like a slight brown sugary flavor on the back end. Right? Almost like a molasses flavor to it, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is good. I like it. It's it's almost nutty, right? So mm. It's got like a nutty like overtone to it. It's still mm. smooth enough for me. It's more smooth. When I hear coffee, beer, I'm not usually a fan. Yeah. This I could go for. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, pretty yeah. good. <clears throat> it's, it's a slow hard. it's a slow sipping beer for me, but it's good. It's yeah. tasty. Mm. Which is good. It fits the dark mood of the day. Who? Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> so anyway, 13. with Bill. Where were we, Bill? Oh, uh, we were uh, we were at license plates uh, and supernatural. That's right. We, well, <laughs> uh, we, we had we had alluded to gore finish a little bit, but um, 
Yeah, Franklin Castle, though, if uh, you guys want to continue in that stream. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a fantastic house. It's beautifully being restored wonderfully uh, by the owners. Now, unfortunately, 21 years ago, November of 1999, the house was hit by an arsonist, uh, mm-hmm. which I won't go into great detail. I, I don't want to talk too much about that. The reasons behind what happened, that's between the person that did it. And that's personal to them. And I won't even say uh, his name or uh, how that all happened. Um also, because I don't want to give him any notoriety either, and I hope he's okay. Um, but it, the house was severely damaged afterwards, and a lot of the historic architectural detail was sadly lost wow. along the way. Um, so what could be saved was saved. I'll say that right now. Uh, and then uh, what was beyond saving, just they, there was nothing anybody could do about that, and that was lost. Um but the owners did do a lot of wonderful work, though, in putting into the house uh, a lot of architectural details that you might have found in a house of that era. Or specifically, uh, see, the Tiedemans also had a second house out in Lakewood that was built right about the same time, just before, honestly. And these are a lot of the details you would have found also out in the house out in Lakewood. They brought those things into Cleveland, into the house in Cleveland, and they blended the two styles because we have a lot of woodwork in the house, beautiful East Lake style details and a lot of the woodwork and the fireplaces, and they incorporated those into some new woodwork. And they put in a few new bookcases with the same details. The floors are a beautiful uh, white oak and uh, black walnut inlay, and they have things like the flowers are black walnut inlays. And the floor, they do see up in the corners of the doorways. So they brought those in as well, those wonderful features. So they I really will did say that when I, incorporate when I, was, it. Uh, when I was there with you, the detail mm-hmm. was just phenomenal yeah i mean the floors were amazing even the hinges um, yeah the hinges themselves were just they're so decorative and those are original that's that's east lake style and those hinges were made in 1881 to 1883 by branford Lockworks company of branford connecticut as were the the doorknobs now some of the other uh, uh pieces of hardwood uh came from uh from another company that was there for uh also out of connecticut that seemed to have been the uh uh, foundry location for the art for this uh this artistic movement called the east lake american east lake movement yeah. um but yeah so uh yeah but those were all made by branford lockworks uh and they're fantastic so oh, yeah was, but those are original a lot of what you so see in there the detail, is original the i know detail. yeah yeah so the tiedemann family any relationship to the tiedemann road is- absolutely yeah. yeah uh in fact um uh, Tiedemann Road uh, used to be called Parma Road originally, and Hannes- lame. yeah, what lame, lame Parma, lame. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's called Amrap. Yeah, Amrap Road. Yeah, Parma Road. It was a generic name because oh boy, here's a here's the original idea. It went to Parma. Right. Yeah. Oh, so uh, it was originally called Parma Road. Um, believe it or not, uh, Tiedemann Road is misspelled. Oh wow! That's supposed to be two ends on yes. the end of the name. I noticed that. Yeah, uh, because I hate reading, humans. Reading through things Seriously. like your hate book, them so much, right? Mm-hmm. It has the proper spelling on it. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. The road's wrong. The road is wrong. <laughs> the road is absolutely wow. wrong. Uh, what had happened wow. was um, the road is named after the same family. See, uh, in 1848, uh, Hannes Tiedemann, who would have the the castle built some years later, he and his wife. Uh, it was uh, it was his older brother. He came over with uh, now those are the Wolvertons. Um, uh, are we on like a live camera or any sort of no, stream? No. Oh, okay. Oh, so <laughs> no, your your listeners can't. They're not viewers either. No. Okay, all right. They'll have to see things okay. through our voices. So just imagine. But they can buy your book online. And find they can these. they can find hmm. these photos online. So so imagine four guys with beards and one guy with sideburns sitting in a crowd <laughs> space over pizza and beer. Uh, and we're looking at a monitor right now. So those are the Wolvertons. They're the ones that built the house prior to it. So uh, a Tiedemann Road, though, uh, when Hannes Tiedemann came over here, he came over with uh, two older brothers, Klaus and Ludwig, and then three sisters, Katharina, Rebecca Elise, and uh, Louisa, and their widowed mother, Vibka. Now, their father had passed away, unfortunately, about a year and a half earlier, Christmas Eve of 1846, going into 47. So uh, he, he had passed. Uh, he was the, the village blacksmith. Um, so they come over here. And on the way to the United States, 
on the Danish brig Menon, which was the vessel they were sailing on, uh, their older sister, the eldest of the three girls, Katharina, had met a man named Henning Bolton. There's Klaus. Uh, Henning Bolton was traveling for his health. And on getting to the United States, some sort of a romance must have occurred between the two of them mm-hmm. because they made it. Originally, the Tiedemans were so bound for run. they were bound for Wisconsin, where a number of Germans were heading. They only made it as far as Cleveland. And in Cleveland, two weeks after arriving in the United States, Katharina and Henning got married mm-hmm. here in Cleveland. And here in Cleveland, they stayed. And then a few days later, Henning Bolton died. Wow. Ouch. He died from tuberculosis. He had yeah, well, who didn't die. From yeah, tuberculosis. at the time they called it consumption. So he was traveling for his health. He had been sick for a long time. Apparently, it doesn't. It's not one of those things that creeps up on you and you die the next day. Right. Uh, this is something that you have for a little while. So he was traveling. He was consumptive, um, and he left, of course, everything to his wife. Well, everything went from his wife to her oldest brother to their mother. Vibka, who on the very same day that Henning Bolton died, she bought many, many acres in what's now Lindale, Ohio. Oh, the speed trap. Yeah, the speed trap on the freeway. That's the one. I'm like, that is such a small town. It's only large enough to put a speed trap in. Of course, there's much more works. to it up the hill. Yes, it does. Uh, my cousin, uh, Matt Mahan, was, uh, and, and my other cousin, they were both uh, cops there. It's another story for another time. They didn't bust people for <laughs> things sure like really that. Cool. They were not like that. Yeah, it's a terrible story, <laughs> honestly. So uh, so, I'll, so within uh, less than a few months, uh, their mother, Vipka, owns multiple, multiple acres. And what's now, it's on the same day that I think Bolton died, she gave her mother all this money. She bought wow. this huge farm, and then she sold it to Klaus. Tiedemann, the eldest of the brothers, and eventually he bought adjoining acreage uh, in the months that follow. He did marry a woman who was a daughter of one of the neighbors, farmers, uh, the Baumgarts, and that was Emily, and they ended up starting their own family. Now, in the uh, early 1870s, they went and they bought a house uh, down the road, uh, and it was on the Parma Road. And it had previously been built by a man named uh, Patrick McPhillips. And that house is still standing today, but they would spend the rest of their lives there after they sold their original farm to Mr. Lynn and his company. And that's how it became Lindale. Now, Joe Lynn would ultimately default on that and they got the land back, mm-hmm. threw everyone out, and but eventually it did become Lindale anyway. Um, but he uh, bought the McPhillips house over on what is now Tiedemann Road, and the next number of generations were raised in that house. And the house is still standing on the east side of what's now Tiedemann Road, but it is misspelled because the descendants of them still spelled with two N's on the end of the name. Mm-hmm. There was a misspelling on a land map from 1874, which only used one N, and that's how the name of the road came to be. See, I was going to say, there was no Google back then. So, I mean, if you were filling yeah. out the paperwork, yeah, no, you, it, you know, and you just had yeah. to guess, you know, was it, you, you know, you, hey, Juice, was it one end or two ends? I can't remember. Yeah, it was one. The one. It was one. It was one. Right. <laughs> but you, you would think, you know, oh, well, let's go through the titles and say, oh, well, here's the title. Hey, it has two ends. The title so, is probably like a like a two-day horse ride away. Their uh, tombstone <laughs> even has two ends on it, and even their descents, and I'm friends with, uh, with a few of them, uh, the... Uh, a couple that gave us use of uh, these two photos, and they're still in the uh, family. Uh, Tim and Corey walked, and they're like, no, no, it's two ends. And I'm friends with a descendant who still has last name Tiedemann, mm-hmm. and she lives uh, in southern Ohio, and it's Kim Tiedemann. And uh, she she showed up at the castle. She's like, my great-grandfather built this house. And I'm like, I think you're a little too young to be a great-grandchild of Hannes Tiedemann. She's like, no, my great-grandfather was Hannes Tiedemann. He built this house. She's younger than me. <laughs> Hannes Tiedemann's great-grandkids are in their 80s and 90s. I'm like, I think you're a little young. And she's like, nope, he built this house. I'm like, well, hold on, time out, time out. Was his dad's name Paul? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's named after his great his great uncle. And, and she's like, what? I'm like, no, no. I'm like, was your, was your dad Bill? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, no. I'm like, and you know what's funny, though, is uh, we became friends on Facebook. And I'm like, 
hmm, kind of curious. So I'm going through like some photos of her. I'm just kind of checking around a little bit. And I'm like, like, oh. and then I found a photo of her from when she was in grade school. And I'm like, you're standing next to her or something. No, no, this is yeah, no, this no, I no, I have a photo of Emma Tiedemann, who is supposedly the girl in white that supposedly haunts the house. Oh, 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 god, she's a ringer for her. I'm like, oh my god, you need Uh. to get her on those ghost tours. Oh, Oh, sure, yeah, 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 have her jump out and scare the (laughs) bejeebus out of yeah. No, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) Uh, But it was really, it was really cool though because she looks. I could pretend to be doing a tour. And like she could like jump through like a secret door or something, grab me and just like rip me back, and you could be like, "This isn't part of this tour. This isn't part of the tour." And like, I'm like, "Who the heck is this?" And then I suddenly get hit in the head with a hammer. Listens to the podcast now knows that. (laughs) So anyway, yeah. So Kim Tiedman, yeah, she's she's a ringer for her uh, great great grandfather's first cousin. She's a she's a she's a ringer. My ghost is or my doppelganger is a ghost. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. My yeah, my doppelganger haunts a house in Cleveland. Haunts the most haunted house in Cleveland. So uh, I mean now you sorry Kim if I'm throwing you under the bus here or something. That's not my intention. No throwing you out there like that. So I probably shouldn't have told all your listeners that so but she's really cool. And as I understand she's also a very accomplished guitar player too. So nice. I I see that you dialed it back. You lived there, and you said supposedly haunted. Well, I, I quote, oh yeah, I, I, my belief doesn't mean it's true. I, what I've seen happen, what has happened to me, exactly, guys, is not proof. So, <laughs> oh, but just sneak one in on you guys. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, was... no, no, it's a good, no, it's a good call. No, you're right because I mean I could sit here and tell you about everything that has happened to me George in the house. Give us, give us what one. has happened yeah, in the yeah, house George, doesn't mean too. it's haunted. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm because teasing you these guys. Wit- I feel yeah, really bad. I was, I was teasing these guys yeah. with that little quip, not you. I <laughs> but, swear. but you yeah, know, it's okay. Please, it's it's all right. Yeah, if we could go there right now, sure. Let's go there. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I believe in any kind of spiritual realm. Okay. Okay. But I am super excited. Listen, I said this before, where I want you guys to be true. I would love it if I died and I went to this paradise and all my dead family yeah. members were there to greet me and I was drinking beer. And you could only look in the gate. You can't go in. You, yeah. <laughs> right, George, you messed you up, man. We were trying to tell you that the podcast. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> I'll throw you, you know, a beer. Oh, wow. eyes. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> And yet he never shows up for the Proving the right. Spiritual episodes. Um, Jesus, make some more wine. But I hope it is true. I would love it. I would love it's, it. No, but, but, but also yeah. it's, it's, it's also good to be keep an open mind about everything, though, and yeah. in, 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 that includes keeping an open mind of skepticism. That's terrific Absolutely. because I, yeah. I really I keep an open mind uh, as far as one aspect, but also the other. Uh, because there are probably things, uh, ideas that we've never even considered yet mm-hmm. that somebody could throw at us that is even beyond any scope that we've ever even imagined. Absolutely. Uh, now, me telling you, and I, I love to tell everyone this oh, because man, just like, me telling you oh, about yeah. my own experiences oh, yeah. doesn't mean that it, it, it it's not proof because you didn't witness them. It's I true. could tell you it's haunted till I'm blue in the face, but you didn't see it. Yeah, no, I see Anyone else can tell right. me that and the same thing. So, um, but we would like to know from your perspective, sure. the things that have happened. Okay. So I, I, oh, uh, yeah. in the last couple, oh, yeah. of, in the last couple of years, uh, um, I started keeping a little bit of a journal. Um, and there, uh, it's a shop. Oh, it's, I think it's called October's now. And it's right around the corner from, uh, uh, we used to be goddess blessed. Now it's called the new moon over in Lakewood. Uh, and I bought a paperback book of the handbook for the recently deceased from Beetlejuice. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a notebook. It's all it is. It's just a notebook. It's a paper and it looks really cool on my shelf. So I started using it as a notebook of writing down anything that might be construed as paranormal activity in the Franklin Castle. So I started this little journal I mean, a couple of years well ago. You might continue your studies sure. in real time. Why not? I, so I write you... down the day of the week, the date, the year, and then the time. And if it's worth noting. And this is everything from uh, the light dimmed over there for about five seconds and then came back on none of the other lights in the house or all the lights in this part of the room went out at the same time. And then the lights in this part of the house stayed on. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the house shook. That's an interesting one. Uh, or I heard someone talking in the next room. I went and when I walked in, there was nobody there. This is one that really blows my mind. Um, was uh, about a year and a half ago. I woke up uh, to someone boom, 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 running up the stairs. 
outside mm. the living room. There's a great staircase that goes up the side of the house from the side entrance. And uh, the house is being worked on by uh, an Amish uh, family, an Amish crew working on it. And I figured, okay, well, uh, Freeman uh, Detweiler, the... Uh, um, He's the head architect or head carpenter on the project. He is uh, he's apprenticing his son, who at the time uh, was 15, uh, Isaiah. I thought it was Isaiah running up the stairs. Yeah, Amish fella. And I'm like, oh, oh gosh, he's waking me up. And then I hear boom, 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 running down the stairs, accompanied by <laughs> little giggling running down. I'm like, what does that bring your whole family to work day or something? What is this? Well, okay, he's got a he's got a large family and Isaiah's the oldest and he's got a number of younger children. And I'm like, oh okay, you know, he comes over with his family and they all stay at the house on occasion. They're gonna be there in a few weeks. So so I'm like, oh okay. So I'm I'm awake at this point. I'm like, all right, and I'm I'm just gonna go ask Freeman, hey, hey, can you ask kids just keep it down? I'm I'm still asleep, you know, it's still kind of early. And I open up the door and I walk out into the hall where the stairs are and the lights in the hallway are on motion sensor, so that the light comes on. Oh, and I'm like, well, like it, it wasn't it, on before. No, no, they're, they're, no, 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 they're on motion oh, sensor. Okay. So I'm like, that's it had been a moment, and I'm like, <laughs> I look down the stairs, and I'm like, join us for the rest of the conversation in part two. <laughs>